And as we come to the beginning of a new sermon series, I invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10 through 20. You've already heard Joshua 1.9. You can flip there if you want. But 1 Chronicles, uh, not to be confused with Corinthians, um, that's in the New Testament. 1 Chronicles is in the Old Testament. And so after Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Then you get into the first and seconds, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. So towards the front, uh, but this is the history of God's people, the chronicles of the nation of Israel. And so I want to invite you to follow along in first Chronicles 29, 10 through 20, as we begin a new series on the 40 days of generosity. These 40 days will lead us right up to Thanksgiving, which is usually a time of celebration and gratitude and thanksgiving for all of the generosity and abundance. And as we go through these 40 days here at church, what we intend to do is to be mindful of how is it that we want to live out our generosity? How do we celebrate the abundance that we have? So this is not the series that starts out with a a guilt trip on all that you have that you need to give, but rather this ought to be a celebration of generosity. This place is filled with generous people, and we didn't come upon generosity as a way to live by accident, but we came as a spiritual discipline and as a practice of reading the scriptures and of being shaped and formed in how we give of our our money, our time, of ourselves, with generosity and with abundance. And so as we begin this series, I invite you to um, pray with me, and then we'll read Joshua 1.9 and 1 Chronicles 29.10-20. Let's pray. God, you created the heavens and the earth with all of their beauty and splendor. And if this were not enough, You created us out of the dust of the earth to enjoy your creation and to tend it and to take care of it. If this were not enough, even when we fell away, you provided even for Adam and Eve so that they could leave the garden and begin a new life. If this were not enough, you sent into the world your prophets and your law to lead us in the ways that we should go. And if this were not enough, in your generosity, you sent your son Jesus Christ into the world to live the perfect life and to die a death for us out of a generous love. And so, Lord, as we study your word, as we open the story of your people, may we find our connection place in that story and may your story continue both in and through us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. First reading from Joshua, chapter 1, verse 9, the baptism verse for Wade Klosterman. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Hold on to that verse as you consider Generosity could be a little bit scary sometimes. What would we possibly give of ourselves that we would be hesitant to give away? Would we be afraid? Is God going to provide and be with us? 
Joshua 1.9 speaks to a generosity of spirit that God will be with us. And now turning to our other text for today, 1 Chronicles 29, beginning at verse 10. And just for context, what's just happened is they've just collected all of the wealth for the building of the temple. So King David has completed his capital campaign for the new church building known as God's temple. And it's after that moment that after everything has been brought together and collected and gathered, this is the moment of praise. The song that we sing at the end of service called the doxology means glory to God. This is the doxological moment. This is the moment where all has been brought in and David breaks out in praise. And so hear these words from 1 Chronicles 29, beginning at verse 10. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power, the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and we praise your glorious name. But, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as well as all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow, without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decrees, and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and the King. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, a theme that emerges when we study stories of generosity in Scripture is this. And there's some nuances, there's some different ways that it unfolds, and it's not always permanent. If you know the story of God's people, they rise up, they do well, and then they fall away. But in a general sense... The stories of generosity in Scripture goes like this. When individuals are generous, the community flourishes. And when the community flourishes, God is praised. 
When individuals are generous, the community flourishes. When the community flourishes, God is praised. This is textbook from 1 Chronicles 29. Individuals have come forth with generosity. The community flourishes. And ultimately, at this doxological moment of praising God, the outpouring that happens next is that God is praised. People celebrate and rejoice. And we know that this isn't permanent. People fall away. In your own life, when you've had an abundance, you can celebrate for a time. And it doesn't mean that we always stay attentive to praising God for all that we have. Which is why it's so significant that, that part of David's prayer in all of this, in verse 18, is he's seen the people praising God. And he asks them, he asks God to keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever. Saying this moment of praise, when we recognize all that we have that has come from God, when we celebrate the generosity with which we can move forward in building this amazing temple, this structure for the Lord, please God, keep this on their hearts, both now and forever. There is a beautiful tie to God's generosity in baptism that we celebrated this morning. That as we spoke of the promises of Christ over Wade, and as we baptized him in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit into Christ's household, the church, part of our prayer is that exact same thing that David prayed for the people of Israel. Keep these things in Wade's heart forever. May his praise, may the generosity with which he is loved and and cared for and brought up. May it keep his focus on God. May, may you keep him, may you keep his heart for all time. This is our prayer that comes first from God's generosity to us. And of all the things that we could unpack in this doxological moment, there's and the, the bigger arc that we'll continue to come back through throughout the series. There's three maybe simple points and probably familiar ones that you've heard from different sources before. And those three that we look at today are these. One, you can't outgive God. Fair enough? You can't outgive God. Two, generosity begets generosity, meaning generosity creates more generosity. And third, Generosity and gratitude are related. I would say they are inextricably related, but that can be a hard word to say and a hard word to spell. So let's leave it at generosity and gratitude are related. You can't outgive God. Generosity begets generosity, and generosity and gratitude are related. First of all, you can't outgive God. I hope that none of us are trying to do that because it simply won't work. But that's not a reason to not be generous. You can't outgive God because as King David has said, all that we have, all that we're giving you is what we've already received from your hand. We're just giving a portion back. You can't outgive God, but you can glorify God through the practice of generosity. We don't have the capacity to outgive God, but we do have the ability to glorify God by being generous with who we are and what we have. We have time. We have talents and gifts. We have treasure. We have money and finances. We can glorify God by being generous 
with our time, our talent, and our treasures. We can be generous in how we give financially. We can be generous with how we give time to hand-to-hand or the crossing. We can be generous in putting our gifts of hospitality or teaching or care into practice. We can glorify God through this. But you can't outgive God. Because all that we have, as Ross prayed and as David spoke years ago, all that we have is yours. Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, O Lord, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. And that's one other piece of this whole you can't outgive God that we should hold on to. Generosity does not make us boastful. Jesus says when you give, don't let your right hand and left hand know what the other is doing. Give in confidence. Give in secret. Because giving and generosity is not a celebration of yay me to put on display. We remember that the first generosity is God's generosity to us. And generosity as a practice does not make us arrogant or prideful or boastful or full of showmanship. Generosity as a practice makes us humble. After David is outpouring of praise, and then it switches from poetry back to prose in verse 14, it's this, who am I, who are we, that we could give so generously? We glorify God through generosity. And when we glorify God, it humbles us in a good way, not in a shaming way. You can't outgive. It is the equivalent of a parent giving money to their child for the child to buy a gift for the parent. I remember going to a lot of basketball games as a kid. I'm from Indiana. Our state movie is Hoosiers, right? Not great to be not a basketball player if you're tall in Indiana. But I remember as a kind of a way, I I think, and my parents are actually here this morning, and I didn't clear this with them, but I think just as a way to teach me about finances and uh, to to make me, like, leave them alone, when we'd go to JV and varsity basketball games to watch my cousins, they'd give me five bucks. As a kid, I just made bank. But there was also this intent of uh, sometimes I'd be given an extra dollar to go get something for them, to go get a bag of popcorn or to keep in mind, you know, just get me a good candy bar. And there's care put into generosity. I've been given this money, and I also learned that if I didn't spend all of it, I got to keep it, and that's just kind of how I've always been. So, you know, all right, $3.50, $1.50 profit. All right, cool. But if given an extra dollar, I would go, and I would try to pick out something that my parents liked. So it would be Snickers for my dad. It would be um, York peppermint patties for my mom. But I wanted to give a gift that fit them well. That's a generosity of mind and spirit. But also, it's a good analogy for how we give to God. Because I'm buying my parents a gift with money that they gave me. Because I'm like eight, right? That money is a gift. And a portion of it is given back but I'm only giving them a gift with what I already have. That was me as a child at Kankakee Valley High School games, and that is all of us at every stage of our life when we give to God. We are people who have been given an allowance to spend for ourselves and also to give and bring something back to God with, but it's already God's in the first place. You can't outgive God. 
Secondly, generosity begets generosity. That's something that I love about North Holland, that for a fact, there are a lot of generous people here who give of themselves and of their finances and of their time and talents. And you know what? True generosity knows that generosity is worth it in the hope that others will join in, but not in the obligation or holding back of waiting to see what happens. Think of it this way. If we only gave, if we already knew that everyone else was going to give, we would all wait for each other and nobody would go first. Generosity with the spirit from Joshua 1.9, if I will be with you wherever you go, says, I will give generously because I believe in being generous. And I believe that God has called me to be generous with what I have. Generosity will lead the way forward and others may join in around. We have people who lead generous lives here. It doesn't mean that every single person is generous, but a true generous heart is not worried about the heart of everyone else. A truly generous heart gives of what they have. Generosity begets generosity. Now we're at the doxological moment, this moment of praise in 1 Chronicles 29, but before this what happened is they started talking about the offerings that were brought forward for this huge building project. And King David himself, who has the command and power to take things away with all authority divinely given to him through his anointing as king. King David has that power and authority, but he demonstrates, instead of autocracy in that moment, he demonstrates generosity. David gives of his own wealth and treasure for this project because he believes in it. He does not have to coerce and force others to pay for this project. He leads generously on his own. Each of us could do the same, that we start with our own generosity. And generosity begets generosity. When individuals are generous, the community flourishes. And when the community flourishes, God is praised. Generosity begets generosity. He looks around and in verse 17 says, I have seen with joy, I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here, have given to you. David sees that after he himself had already given with generosity. Generosity starts with God, who we can't outgive, and our generosity begets generosity. Now, I know contagious is still kind of a bad word these days, so we'll stick with begets. But if you could imagine your giving as something that was contagious in a positive way, Imagine that giving as a practice would spread. That when we give from our hearts, and then we pray for that to happen with others. As King David says in verse 17, I have given willingly and with honest intent. Once again, out of humility and integrity, I give willingly and with honest intent with the hopes that generosity begets generosity. But there's another way in which generation generosity begets generosity, and it's generational. We're just really on my childhood today a little bit, but we just saw it up here. When kids came up for the blessing, do you see what a lot of them had in their hands? A dollar. Because they're going to take an offering. And even at a young age, they're going to be taught that there are people in need elsewhere. And so they're going to collect their tithes and offerings throughout, even at 
every age and height that they are, they're going to collect their offerings and then bless others with what they have been given. It's a practice. It's a practice for parents to remember to give their kids a dollar before they go downstairs. That's a practice. But it's also a teaching moment that generosity begets generosity, generosity from generation to generation. What we teach and model, what we do with our money is an easy teaching point for any child to learn from. Generosity begets generosity, both within the community and generation after generation. This is what King David saw from that moment of generosity from his vantage point. And finally, friends, where we start, we don't start from a place of shame or pressure. We start from the simple fact that generosity and gratitude are related. I know some really generous people. Some generous people are really wealthy and they give of their wealth. Some generous people are not that wealthy by material means, and yet they are also still very generous. And I think the link between generous people who are wealthy and generous people who are not wealthy by the normal worldly standards, the link between generosity of all types of wealth is gratitude. Generosity and gratitude are linked. And so if generosity seems maybe hard or scary, or maybe it's hard to open up your hands a little bit to give of yourself, of your time, or your talent, or your treasure, I would first start then with, what are you grateful for? Start with gratitude. Because some of the people who are generous, who have influenced my life the most, are also some of the people most full of gratitude. They have that that awareness that King David had of, this is amazing what we can do, and wow, all of it came from God in the first place. Generosity and gratitude are linked. There is praise that comes out of of these moments where generosity, where, where gifts have been brought forth. David led a really, really successful capital campaign for a church building project. Generosity and gratitude are linked and related. And you know, as we talked about in the last sermon series, our story should link up with God's story. This moment in Israel's history is not something foreign to us here within the last five years. We had a capital campaign for a building project. We saw generosity come forth in amazing ways, in large ways, in in private and beautiful ways. We saw this same thing happen. We saw generosity beget generosity. We heard conversations that families would have about what they were doing as a family to be generous, to support. And you know what? All the people who built this temple in 1 Chronicles 29 who gave above and beyond their tithes and offerings, who were taking part in this contagious generosity, none of them are alive today. Some of them didn't even get to see the temple finished. Fast forward a few thousand years. I think about 1852 when North Holland was planted. None of those folks are alive anymore, but they generously committed to something that was greater than themselves that would outlast them with generosity and gratitude. They're not here, 
but we still are. I wonder if that was their prayer. And I wonder how much gratitude there would be to see how much has happened since 1852 to now. The sanctuary in which we worship, in which Wade was baptized, this sanctuary was built in 1946 after a fire. Now, there are people who saw the fire who are still living, but no one on the planning committee for this place was still here. And yet, they generously committed and invested in something that was greater than themselves. And in fact, if you go back just to 2016, not everyone who gave to the building addition down there is still with us today. That's really short history. My daughter took her first steps at a capital campaign meeting, and I will never forget that. And one of the people at that meeting is not here today, but one of them is. Friends, generosity reminds us that what we have is God's, and it's just on loan to us for a time. And generosity leads us with that mindset that God's generosity will be with us to invest in something greater than ourselves that will outlast us. So I would ask this question, first as a reflection. What are you investing in that's greater than yourself? And I'm not talking about your retirement portfolio, although hopefully that is greater than yourself in a certain sense. But what are you, what are you giving to that's greater than yourself? What's the generous vision that you have for, what are you giving right now that will last longer than you will, that will outlive yourself, whether you got to see it or not? I wonder if some of the time invested in teaching our young ones is viewed with that kind of generosity, that our teachers and helpers on Sundays and Wednesdays are generously investing in something that will outlast them. I wonder if our finances are given with generosity, with the expectation that the work will be bigger than just us for what's happening now and in the future. What do you give to that's bigger than just you? The legacy that will outlast you, not to get your name on it, but to get God's handprint on it. Am I giving to something greater than myself? If yes, then rejoice, practice that gratitude. And if it's kind of hard to think of something, I would challenge you to find that thing that's greater than yourself to invest in. Now, generosity is time, talent, and treasure. And inevitably, we talk about money, and I think that makes people tug at their collars a little bit. I do wonder if the reason that we come back to it is because money is the easiest thing to quantify giving. I mean, even in the earlier part of 1 Chronicles 29, they have records of how much was given at different points in this whole project. And it also can be one of the hardest things to give with regularity until it's a generous habit and lifestyle. And so maybe in these 40 days, this 40 days of generosity series, consider this. If you have been blessed with the ability to tithe, then rejoice and give with generosity. As David said, give your tithes and offerings willingly and with honest intent. And if tithing hasn't been a thing, I would give a challenge on this. Try it. And if 10% is too much, because that's like a big shift, you know, that's the traditional 10th tithe percent. 
If 10 seems like a lot, the nice thing about money is it's easy to quantify. Try five. Try three. I mean, everybody's got a calculator in their pocket with a cell phone. I mean, I don't know how I'd calculate three, depending. That, that just seems harder. I'm not as good at math. I'm okay with numbers, but I like Deuteronomy better. You're welcome. Oh, this is why we need to know our books of the Bible. With generosity, we study God's word so that we know it well and can be blessed with a generous joke right towards the end. But friends, challenge towards generosity means finding a way to give that matters. Think bigger than yourself. Think of where you are now and take one step further. That's the only way we grow out of our comfort zone, isn't it? is to know we're the edge of where we're comfortable and to take one step forward. Do the same with generosity. Finding that way where, okay, I'm going to try this for 40 days, or I'm going to try half of this for 40 days. In the narthex and downstairs, there's um, devotional guides to follow through, and week by week, we're going to preach from a text that will be read during the week. Grab a devotional guide. We think we would have enough for, for one per household, but also if you're like, you know what, if I pick up that book here, I'm going to lose it and then it's going to be gone, no problem. You can actually get the devotionals uh, one day a week by email. But I would encourage us as a congregation to commit to that. Read, because the devotional is just lists of scripture. That's what we kind of liked about it. There's always more context that you can look up on your own, but if you had time for nothing else, by yourself or with a friend or in your family, read each day. Read these passages about generosity, about giving, and see what it does to your heart. Commit to that at the very least for 40 days. That's just reading scripture. Follow through with that and see where else God leads you. You can't outgive God, but you can glorify God through your generosity. Let your generosity beget generosity in others. David gave, and so did others. And generosity and gratitude are related. So if you're looking for more gratitude in life, try generosity. And let those two interact with each other as God continues to transform our hearts. Friends, our Lord, our King, is generous. We don't give out of obligation. Hopefully we give with willing, honest intent. We give because God has given to us. We heard those words already said differently at the core of our being, that we love because Christ first loved us with a generous, unstopping, unrelenting love. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. Jesus, you gave your life for us. You did so with agony in the garden, yet with a willing spirit for us and for the sins of the world. Help us to model our same generosity off of you who gave of yourself. Give us the diligence to read day by day, to read your word with others, and to hear what you have to say about generosity and giving. And Lord, as we give of our tithes and offerings, may we do so with a joyful heart. 
And as we maybe brainstorm a different way to be generous, to look beyond ourselves, something that will outlast us just as David looked to the temple that would outlast him. Lord, put in our hearts a gratitude for all that you have given us for the very capacity to be generous. Amen.